0: Welcome to the program, UFO Morning. In this episode, we're talking about UFO daily encounters. That's correct, UFO daily encounters. Now, this comes to us from GreekReporter.com. Title says, U.S. fighter pilot says his squadron encountered UFOs almost daily. And the article is by Tassos Kakindis, April 8, 2023. He begins the article by saying a former U.S. Navy pilot has told how his squadron encountered UFOs almost daily for months while training off the American coast. The sightings include a near collision with an object that appeared like a cube inside a sphere and a close encounter with a fleet of objects moving at 120 knots into the wind. Lieutenant Ryan Graves, an F-18 Super Hornet pilot, is now leading an effort to encourage reporting of sightings and advocating for a scientific study of what the military calls unidentified aerial phenomena. Now, many of us have seen Ryan Graves. Uh, He did a podcast with Lex Friedman. He's done multiple uh, interviews, and you can see him on YouTube talking about his experience and sightings with these UFOs. A lot of interesting insight, uh, especially to listen to what he tells us that he saw and how things went down. It says, Lieutenant Graves told The Telegraph how in 2014, his squadron, the VFA 11 Red Rippers, was based on the USS Theodore Roosevelt, a nuclear powered aircraft preparing for a deployment to the Persian Gulf. The pilots trained in a sealed off block of airspace called W 72 off the coast of Virginia, where nothing else was allowed to fly. After the plane's radar was upgraded, pilots began picking up objects in the training area. Of course, 2014. You know, a lot of uh, improvements in technology were kind of coming on. You know, you had the first smartphones coming out in 2009, 2010. So there were big improvements being made, and that spilled right over into the military. It says, after the plane's radar was upgraded, pilots began picking up objects in the training area. They were initially dismissed as radar errors, but then they flew closer and started seeing them on their FLIR system, which are infrared cameras that detect heat. It was almost as if the sun was shining a flashlight on the UAPs, said Lieutenant Graves. We would have them on a radar, and then we'd have have a flare. We'd fly by them as low as we could, trying to see them. That kind of shows you uh, right there that not only were they uh, coming across these things on their electrical equipment, but they were also making uh, eyewitness contact with them, seeing them seeing them on the electronic equipment plus seeing them with their own eyes. He says we were trying to figure out what the heck these things were. We were seeing them pretty much daily. We'd go out there and they'd be and they'd be out there in the morning. They'd be out there in the evening. These things were pretty much always out there. That would range from two to three of them to six or seven, he told the telegraph. It seems as if these UFOs are monitoring, monitoring the uh, Navy fighter pilots and the Navy uh, warships the same way that we might monitor uh, a a competitor or an adversary. Very strange. He, goes on, he says then the near collision happened when an object passed right between two jets, with fifty feet within fifty feet of the lead aircraft. Lt. Graves said the pilot involved was shaken up after landing back on the carrier. He said, I almost hit one of those damn things, and we all knew what he was talking about, he said. It was completely stationary, and he described it as a dark gray or black cube inside of a clear sphere. Now, that doesn't sound like a drone to me. That doesn't sound like a piece of space trash. That doesn't sound like anything other than a, a legitimate UFO, and the fact that this guy almost hit it, it, had to be nerve-wracking. He says it was completely stationary, and he described it as a dark gray or black cube inside of a clear sphere. He canceled the flight, not trusting his ability to clear his airspace in front of him. The pilots began operating in different parts of their training area to avoid hitting the unidentified objects. So in other words, these things were, were there, they were just hanging out, they were belligerent, they weren't moving... And it got to the point where the uh, United States uh, Navy pilots had to change their behavior. They had to pick a different place to uh, practice their maneuvers at. Because the UFOs had taken over the space that they were using. In early 2015, the USS Theodore Roosevelt relocated, the scheduled, from Virginia to Jacksonville, Florida. But the sightings of UAPs continued near the ship, even though it had moved 600 miles south. So these things were definitely uh, hitchhiking along with this ship, the USS Roosevelt. No doubt about it. It says... That was when an F-18 pilot confirmed one of the most famous of all videos showing an object looking like a spinning top or gimbal. It was a unique object that we recorded on one particular night only, said Lieutenant Graves. One aircraft from my squadron, they were all returning to the boat. They were east of the ship, about three or four miles off the shore. That's when they saw the gimbal. On the video, which was later declassified, the pilots can be heard shouting, Oh my gosh, and look at that thing, dude, and it's rotating. Lieutenant Graves was in the post-flight briefing with other pilots and a sizable group of intelligence folks. He said, No one thought this was benign. It was very clear that this was unusual and outside the normal. What you don't see on the cla- on the declassified footage is the radar information which shows you a formation of four to six objects that were operating kind of outward of the gimbal. So, In other words, this thing was part of a swarm, part of a formation. They turned very quickly and they all kind of got jumbled up and then they rolled out and reformed in the opposite direction. They turned. It was a sharp turn. He added, I don't know 100% if they were the same objects we were seeing before. Off the coast of Virginia, wow! The U.S. military and intelligence agencies gathered 366 reports of unidentified aerial phenomena. The military's are UAPs, the military's terminology for UFOs, since March 2021. This was when the Office of Director of National Intelligence says ODNI issued its preliminary assessment on UAPs. According to a report released by ODNI on Thursday, only 144 UAP sightings had been reported to the military in the preceding 17 years. That's funny. Lieutenant Ryan Graves says they were seeing these things every day, seeing multiple ones uh, over the course of a few weeks or a few months, but the federal government tells us that we've only had 144 reports in 17 years. Very interesting. Now let's get a little bit deeper into this. Now we've heard repeatedly about how these UFOs were uh, observed in and around the uh, Theodore Roosevelt, this is a USS Nimitz-class uh, aircraft carrier, and these things are kind of a big deal. I mean, they are an amazing piece of equipment. It says here on Wikipedia, the USS Theodore Roosevelt CVN-71 is the fourth Nimitz-class nuclear-powered aircraft carrier in the United States Navy. She is named in honor of Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th President of the United States, and a proponent of naval power. She is the fourth ship named in honor of Theodore Roosevelt, three bearing his full name, the fourth his last name, and then it goes on here it says under the design and construction, it says that Theodore Roosevelt was the first aircraft carrier to be assembled using modular construction, wherein large modules are independently constructed in lay down areas prior to being hoisted into place and welded together. Modular construction made possible through the use of a huge gantry crane capable of lifting 900 tons. Now that's almost two million pounds. I'm maybe over two million. That's incredible. It said it cut 16, minutes off, 16 months off the the Roosevelt's construction time, and the technique what has been used on every aircraft carrier since. Now, if we look at just some of the specs on this thing, it says, of course, the name is Theodore Roosevelt. It was ordered in, back in 1980. The cost in 2007 dollars was four and a half billion dollars so what that'd be like what twice today or something i don't know it says it was laid down in 81 launched in 84 and then commissioned in 86 this is quite a project it goes on and tells us that uh, this this thing is enormous it has 104,600 long tons so I mean what a couple million pounds it says the length is a thousand ninety-two foot. That's like one fifth of a mile more. The water lines at one thousand forty feet. Overall overall beam is just two hundred and fifty-two feet. The water line's hundred and thirty-four feet with the maximum navigational thirty-seven feet. Then it goes into proportion. The proportion of this thing is Westinghouse four. A4W nuclear reactors, so it has these nuclear reactors on the ship that produces the power to, you know, propel the ship through the water and uh, provide all the power that it needs. Four steam turbines, it goes on and says the speed on this thing is f- 30 knots or 56 uh, clicks an hour, 35 miles an hour. Imagine this big, you know, multi- the same way over 104,000 tons. Moving through the water at 35 mile per hour. Now it has in quotations vague. I gotta wonder if this thing can't move a lot faster than that. This is it's just an incredible ship. It says range unlimited, but but realistically 20 to 25 years. And it says the endurance limited only by food and supplies. So this thing could just go out and stay out. The ship's company consists of 3,200 navy men. And then two thousand four hundred people are associated with the Air Wing. Man, so you've got uh, what almost six thousand people on this thing. This this is a literally a floating uh, a floating city. Now, if we look at just the type of ship that this is, it's a Nimitz class aircraft carrier. It says on Wikipedia that Nimitz class is a class of ten nuclear powered aircraft carriers in service with the United States Navy. The lead ship of the class is named after the World War II United States Pacific Fleet Commander, Fleet Admiral Chester W. Nimitz, who was the last living U.S. Navy officer to hold the rank. With an overall length of 1,092 feet and a full load displacement of over 100,000 long tons, the Nimitz classes were the largest warships built and in service until the USS Gerald Ford entered the fleet in 2017. These things are just monsters. It says that instead of the gas turbines or diesel electric systems used for propulsion on many modern warships, the carriers use two A4W pressurized water reactors, nuclear reactors. The reactors drive four propeller shafts and can produce a maximum speed of over 30 knots. So that's over 35 miles per hour. And I have to think maybe it's considerably more than that. At a maximum power of around 260,000 shaft horsepower. My goodness. As a result of nuclear power, the ships are capable of operating for over 20 years without refueling, and are predicted to have a service life of over 50 years. They are categorized as nuclear-powered aircraft carriers and are numbered with consecutive hull numbers between CV-68 and CV-77. Well, it might Thinking about how advanced these uh, aircraft carriers are, and you know, undoubtedly, there's so much technology buried in these things that we don't know about, but just the massive size of these things moving across the ocean at at least 35 miles per hour, probably faster than that, you can begin to understand that if we were being observed by some uh, interdimensional entity or some alien race from another planet, or whatever. They would be extremely interested in this stuff. When you think about uh, the advanced uh, tech of these things, and how impressive these aircraft carriers are, and then compare that to anything anybody else has. What China and Russia have, compared to this, I'm sorry to tell you, it's a joke. And so, yes, if I... Was from another planet or from another dimension, and I wanted to check out what was going on on planet Earth. One of the first things I would do would be to check out one of these aircraft carriers, because this is the best of the best. This is what the, the human. This is a culmination of, of of a battle machine built by the human race. I could one hundred percent understand why these things would be in that area uh, day after day observing this battle group, observing this massive aircraft carrier. I think some of these things have a four, four four-and-a-half-acre flight deck on them. This giant machine pushing through the ocean. No wonder these things were there. Now let's just go uh, take a look at another account of this. So I want to finish up the podcast by going back and looking at this article from LiveScience.com dated May 29th, 2019, written by Mindy Weisberger. Title says, Fleet of UFOs Followed U.S. Aircraft Navy pilot Says. These guys have been telling the same story all along. I mean, don't kid yourself. It says, Between 2014 and 2015, seasoned pilots in the U.S. Navy experienced a number of harrowing encounters with UFOs during training missions in the U.S. While pilots were mid-flight, their aircraft cameras and radar detected seemingly impossible objects flying at hypersonic speeds at altitudes up to 30,000 feet. These mysterious UFOs did so with no visible means of propulsion, the New York Times reported on May 26. So this is, just like Lieutenant Graves said, this is a daily occurrence. They're having repeated encounters with these UFOs in the vicinity of this extremely advanced uh, United States aircraft carrier the Roosevelt. As I just said it's the it's the peak of technology for humankind as far as the development of a warship. And so we have to wonder why don't we have better pictures. It says however none of the pilots suggest that these perplexing UFOs represent an extraterrestrial env- Invasion, according to The Times, which previously wrote about the Navy pilots encountering UFOs in 2004. Look, none of these guys are going to call this thing an alien. That would result in their immediately being depersoned. In total, six pilots who were stationed on the aircraft carrier USS Theodore Roosevelt between 2014 and 2015 told The Times about spotting UFOs during flights along the southeastern coast of the U.S extending from Virginia to Florida. Two of the pilots, who spoke with the newspaper about the inexplicable sightings, share their stories in the History Channel documentary series Unidentifiable, Inside America's UFO Investigations, premiering May 31st. Of course, this is four years ago, 2019. Video of two aerial encounters appear in the series, showing clips of UFOs. One tiny white speck and one large blob. These UFOs Those later came to be known respectively as GoFast and Gimbal. Now, I think that the verbiage there is a little bit uh, belittling toward what we actually see. I mean, you can can examine these for yourself, but just simply calling this a blob, I think, uh, does a, a disservice to what we're actually seeing. It goes on and says, The objects had no distinct wing, no distinct tail, no distinct exhaust plume. Lieutenant Danny Acoin, one of the Navy pilots who reported UFO sightings beginning in 2014, said in the documentary, "I, I It seemed like they were aware of our presence because they were actively moving around us, Lieutenant Aquain said. According to the lieutenant, When a strange reading shows up on the radar for the first time, it's possible to interpret it as a false alarm, but then when you start to get multiple sensors regarding the exact same thing, and then you get to see a display, that solidifies it for me. Well, yes, he has multiple electronic observations and recordings of it, and he can see it with his own eyes, pretty much. Aquain told the News Times that he encountered the UFO twice during flights that were a few days apart. He also said that though tracking equipment, radar, and infrared cameras on his aircraft detected UFOs both times, he was unable to capture them on his helmet camera. Lieutenant Ryan Graves, an F-18 pilot, said in the documentary that a squadron of UFOs followed his Navy strike group up and down the eastern coast of the U.S. for months. And in March 2015, after the Roosevelt was deployed to the Arabian Gulf, Graves said the UFOs reappeared. So did you catch that? They're in Virginia. Then they're down in Jacksonville, Florida. Then they're clear across the Atlantic Ocean over here in North Africa. Well, actually past North Africa, around the tip of Africa, clear up near India and the Arabian Gulf, right? And they're still being harassed by these UFOs. So these things are following that Navy ship a third of the way around the planet. We did have issues with them when we went out to the Middle East, Lieutenant Graves said. Pilots who spotted the UFOs speculated among themselves that the unnerving objects may have belonged to a highly classified drone program using unknown technology and they did not consider them to be extraterrestrial in origin, the Times reported. That's called normalcy bias. okay? Normalcy bias. We want everything to be normal. That's how we are as humans. We like to have a routine. But you know what? Normalcy bias can get you killed. If you see warning signs, uh, say you you see uh, a, a drunk driver coming across you in your lane, and you don't respond because the normal thing is for that guy to stay on his side of the highway, and you don't get out of the way, you could end up dead. Same thing all through life. We, as humans, for some reason, we always want to be biased toward the normal. We're always afraid of change. Well, sometimes change is bad, but we have to react to it before it becomes catastrophic. And you can kind of see the same thing happening here. These guys, they see these UFOs, they identify them as unidentifiable, but in their mind, they're working out all sorts of uh, reasons why these could be anything but extraterrestrial or interdimensional. Well, it's got to be the Chinese or the Russians, or maybe it's our own deep state just testing us. No, it doesn't. You know, what's it called the law of parsimony, Occ- Occam's razor? The the uh, simplest solution is usually the correct one, or the easiest one. Sometimes that's true. And here, the simplest solution is, we don't know what this thing is, but we can probably rule out some things that it's not. And it seems a lot easier, for me at least, to rule out that these are not man-made, than that they are man-made. I mean, excuse me, we we can rule out that these things are man-made. It's a lot easier to do, to do that than it is to rule out that they are not man-made, at least from my perspective. It says, Lieutenant Graves and others are speaking out now because because what they saw raised concerns for them about their comrades in national security. Christopher Mellon, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, told the History Channel. Now, this is a problem. I'm not going to get. I won't get into that in this podcast. But Christopher Mellon, you can look into him. Um, there seems to be some high strangeness there between him and Louis Elizondo and Tom DeLong and that whole revolving door thing. I'll just leave it at that. In 2015, following the spate of UFO sightings, the U.S. Navy issued official guidelines for pers- for personnel to report and investigate aerial objects. According to the Times, those Navy protocols were updated earlier this year. All data will be classified and will not be made available to the general public. Well, you know, that was 2019, and they were supposed to update everything. Now, we've had, uh, Lieutenant Graves just came out here a couple days ago and said, oh, by the way, we were seeing these things daily, daily, back in 2014. Well, if they were seeing these UFOs daily back in 2014, I would expect to see three or 4,000 reports by now almost 10 years later, but what are we being told? Oh, there's 144, there's 150, most of them are explainable, probably space trash, probably drones, the same story that we were being given back in 2014, we're being given today. We haven't learned one more thing. Even though AARO or whatever says, oh, we're going to disclose this, we're going to disclose that, not seeing it. But I'm at least happy to see uh, former Navy Lieutenant uh, Ryan Graves come out and say, Yes, we did see these things every day. Apparently, he's started some kind of organization uh, to report these things. Uh, Hopefully, that'll work out for him. Uh, The more sunlight that we can get on this, the the more disinfectant that we can apply to this. Until next time, this is UFO Warning. Over and out.